got her Bible and her notes this morning. Serious this morning. <laughs> bring my Bible. No, I'm just kidding. No, we had a great time. Um, it's always good to go and you get confirmation. And what I heard is sometimes when you go over things, um, affirmation and confirmation is just as good as revelation because we need to hear things over and over and over sometimes because even though you think you hear something, you hear it again or you read it and you like, and that always happens to me and it happened. And I've been on this little journey and it was just confirmed and heard some more things and um, they didn't go over this, but it, but this is what I, I say they is and all these people, you, we just go and we're just like sponges, you know, we just like, oh my gosh, that's so good. We're on that same path. But in Matthew 16, and you were talking about the ecclesia, the church, and um, what I was, there's a, the scripture in Matthew 16, 13 through 18, and so I'm going to read it really quick. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And that's important because he was talking about his humanity. You wrote, who do they say I am in my humanity? So they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, and others are prophets. So comparing him to other humans, humanity. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, I, we've heard this over and over. <laughs> but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood, humanity, did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock of revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And so the important thing, you know, we always get that, and we went to Israel, and we've been on Caesarea Philippi and the gates of Hades, and we know what that really meant there. And um, humanity will know one thing, that doctrine, but he said, who do you say that I am? And he said, flesh and blood did not reveal that. So Holy Spirit revealed that to him. And so that's what he's building his church on is the revelation. What I want to say is this, all that to say this is the revelation that Jesus is building his church is on the revelation of who he is, the Christ, the anointed one, not doctrines. We've got thousands of denominations building, trying to build a church. And it's really on the revelation of Jesus. And I believe in this hour and this time that it's building, things are shifting and things are changing and the message of grace and his unconditional love and God's inclusion of everything that's being built on the revelation of who he is. Not me, not Jamie, not anything like that, but it's on who he is. And so when we can preach the true as, as he does through us, and he, changed, he says, I'm going to tell you who you are. So when we see him with the eyes, Lord, give me eyes to see who you are. Fill me with your love. Fill me, Holy Spirit, to know who you are so that what comes out. And the gates of Hades, which is gate, he's, is, is a door, right? And I looked this up in the interlinear Greek, and it says, typically it refers to an exit of what comes out. So the gates of what comes out of Hades, which is death in the grave, death isn't coming out anymore. It won't prevail anything because he revealed that death had no power by his death because he rose to live and took the power. 
So what we as a body, as the ecclesia, have to know, there is only one power, and that's it. And we are giving power to things that have no power, right? So the gates of Hades will not prevail. It's what he said. Nothing. Death is not going to prevail, right? And in gates, the antiquity represents authority and power. Gates, that's what it meant. It meant in, in antique time and back in time, gates meant authority and power. So when we don't wrestle against principalities and powers, principalities, when you read that word and do a depth dive, it's just the first things. It's magistrates, it's governments, it's rulers, it's Pharisees, Sadducees, rulers of the law, those principalities and powers of that time. And powers, that word power is dunamis, but it also he took away the ability to perform. That's what power means, the ability to perform. So he took away the ability to perform of anything coming out of the gates of Hades, death. He took that away, and there's only one power, and he gave us his power. And so when we start seeing Jesus as his revelation, he reveals who he is, the anointed one, and this power and authority, that's what church is built on. So we don't no, no longer operate out of a fallen mindset. Sometimes we heard this. It was so good that we've eaten so long out of the tree of good and evil that we forgot there was another tree. It's the tree of life. And the tree of good and evil is where those, the knowledge of I can, not you know, that's I can do it, I can do it. But we eat from his tree. We eat from the tree of life. That, that's it. And the tree, he is the tree. He is the one. And so church, we just let him build it. He changed his name, you know. And anyway, I'll, I'll tell another story another time. I don't want to keep going on. But I hope you get that. And Matthew, because I've heard that story, you know, oh, on this rock, I will build my church. And he is building it. And it's on the revelation of who he is. We, can, we just have to remember that Jesus revealed to us. Open our eyes. Open our spiritual ears. He says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says. Not what he said. What he said was important. But what he is saying right now. We are moving with him right now now in this moment let us hear what he's saying what he's saying is i want you i want you're going to see me of who i am the christ his transfigured christ amen i can just keep going and, and when we went up there every time they come up to me he's like oh disney disney you know and it's like y'all know me about disney and i was like you can talk to me about disney and jesus and i won't shut up so anyway then i'll just i can keep going but just Meditate on that and, and do your study and principalities and power. There's only one. He's far above. And just don't give any, you know, those, those powers are, and I can keep on going, but we'll do that next week. So anyway, I hope that helped, that there's only one power. They're dismantled. Nothing coming out of any gate. He's already got the keys. He's given us the keys to, of authority. So anyway, just want us to operate in who we are. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. Good stuff. <clears throat> we probably aren't, aren't going to get to this message. The Lord's just speaking some things uh, to me. Uh, how many want your, to dream again? Just lift your hand right now if you want to dream again. And I'm talking about the Lord really working in your dreams. He's just speaking to me in the front as Lisa was talking there that God inspired, God ordained dreams. So would you just lift your hands as we ask Holy Spirit to release dreams and visions. Father, we know that you work with your people. Some of us are seers. 
And we need to see things, see who you are. Reveal to us in dreams and visions who you are, what you are doing, what you want us to do, how we are a part of what you are weaving together to affect the planet today. I pray that these dreams would be prophetic dreams. These dreams would be dreams of encouragement and strength, words that can be spoken uh, at the right time to the right people that will lift them and deliver people in Jesus' name. If you receive that, say amen. Um, I don't remember dreams a lot, but when I do, they're pretty vivid and um, don't even know where that came from when I was sitting there and Lisa was sharing. He just started dropping dreams into my spirit. The other thing that he dropped into my spirit, it, this was yesterday on the way home. I, I wrote a few things down, but one of the men of God at um, the conference was talking about uh, so, much, so many times we teach on balance. We want to have a balanced life. He said, but Jesus never had a balanced life. He had a harmonious life. We need to be in harmony. He walked in harmony with the Father and that rhythm, uh, that flow, and, and that's where uh, the Lord has been dealing with me is in a flow in, in my life that there needs to be a flow. In our services and worship time together, there needs to be a flow. Uh, and we ha sometimes have to work on getting the distractions, different things out of the way so that we can be in harmony. Um, I know people that go out and they're at, they're at one with nature. They get in harmony with nature. Cool, that's great. I want to be in harmony with the Father. So that I know that the steps of a good man, and I'm a good only because he's made me good and righteous and holy and just, and so the, our steps are ordered of the Lord. That means we are walking in harmony with the Lord. Uh, and he will show, share things with us, show us things, direct us, because we're following him. And if we're following him, he's out in front directing us, and we walk in tune and in step uh, with that. Uh, we have been on this series that we are the church. We've talked about the body, the bride. Last week we talked about the family and uh, the ecclesia, those summoned out as citizens of heaven together and discuss kingdom principles to change our city, our community, our families. Um, I'm concerned that there has been isolation in the body of Christ, especially in our local churches, where people don't feel that they need to be connected anymore and they isolate themselves. And isolation negates participation. And the word fellowship involves participation. We are a fellowship of believers, a community of believers together. And when we isolate ourselves, that negates participation. And then you grow weak. We, we need to gather together to discuss kingdom principles. I trust your conversations as you talk with one another in the coffee bar, before service, after service. What we discuss with you is sparking th something in you to make you think, make you look into the scripture to see what Holy Spirit wants to say to you that will help change your life, change your city, change your home. 
where there's peace and harmony and a flow of the Spirit. But as we pull away and we isolate and there's no participation, it, we, hey, we all face battles. From the pulpit to the pew, there's struggles, there's situations that are going on. Uh, but if I isolate myself, one of the things that I know, if I isolate myself from my wife sooner or later, there's going to be trouble, there's going to be strife, there's going to be turmoil because I'm not participating in the relationship. I believe that the truth centralized on the person of Jesus Christ will bring harmony to the body of Christ. As we keep, if upon the rock of the revelation of who he is, that's keeping the truth centralized on him, that's what brings harmony to the body. Thousands and thousands of denominations and doctrines. And you, you just, just, just pick one, you talk about the rapture. Well, there's three different groups just in that one doctrine, and they all have scriptures to prove their point about that one doctrine. Doctrines aren't building the church of Jesus. This new ecclesia, we were listening to Don Keithley on the way uh, up and the way back to this conference, and he was talking about the new ecclesia, the church, and he used that same term uh, that I, I'm sorry, we were already on it, and it just reemphasized things to us that we are summoned together. We are citizens of heaven in a hostile world, but we're being summoned, called together, called out. That's what they were saying, called out ones. What were they called out of? They were called out of the hostile world to gather together to discuss kingdom principles so that we can change our cities. Would you look at your neighbor and say, I need you? Look to the other side and behind you and say, I need you. I need you. We need each other. But as Don was speaking, five simple things that I believe are characteristics of Grace Life Church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones summoned together. There are five characteristics that we can see, and all of these are found on Jesus, in Jesus. So as we look to Jesus, the one who's building his church, and he is the one that has called us out and called us together, and we keep our eyes on who he is, we will see these characteristics that we should be, uh, who said it? He said, I don't want to emulate, I don't want to impersonate, I want to be Jesus. And we talked about this this whole month. You, we are the body of Jesus. If you'll just hit any button on that thing, it'll stop beating, beeping. Thank you. Number one, characteristic, unconditional love. Jesus showed no prejudice. Unconditional love. We teach that at Grace Life. We want to be a judgment-free zone where we all pre prejudiced and preconceived ideas about people. But see, if we want to sit in the seat of judgment, then we prejudge and based upon color of skin, clothing, style, what kind of car people drive, their characteristics, their sexuality, we've already judged them. And if we've already judged them and we have prejudice towards them, we're not going to love unconditionally. Then we, take, we come out of the seat that we should be sitting in, remaining seated in Christ, in the heavenly Christ, and then we move over to the judgment seat and listen. That's why he said, judge not, lest you be judged, because in the same way that you judge 
others, that's the way that others will judge you. And really, Jesus has already taken all judgment into himself, so there's no judgment to be made because the Father gave to the Son all the ability to judge all, and he took that judgment on himself. So loving unconditionally, the only commandment that Jesus gives us, there's not 10, there's not 613, there's one, John 13, 34, that we love one another the way that he loved us. So a characteristic of the church of Jesus Christ is unconditional love. You want to take the temperature of any church, are we loving unconditionally? Number two, grace. There's a characteristic of grace. It is the avenue, the vehicle, the pipeline, the channel through which love flows to people. We have to be, if we're not grace-filled towards other people, then that unconditional love won't flow through to them. It's a difficult thing to show grace to people, allow that love to flow through gracefully to other people when they've done us wrong, when they've hurt us when things didn't go the way that we wanted them to go with different people. Uh, we can be really judgmental towards people that we don't even have any relationship with, like politicians and uh, people in the workplace, uh, the person that parked in the spot that you were trying to pull into at Kroger. We can judge them. We can become bitter and angry towards them if we're not graceful. Now, being graceful and letting love flow through you to others doesn't mean that you are a doormat and you let people walk all over you. But it does mean preferring others above yourself. I know this is a very simple message, but these are the characteristics of the ecclesia, the ones that he through the revelation of who he is, we see these things in him. That's who we are. Um, pure grace divorced from all legislation of performance and jumping through hoops. In other words, if Gary hurts me, uh, there's no hoops and performance that he has to go through for me to love him unconditionally. So that grace is to treat him as if he was in victory and love him and respond to him in love. It's almost a foreign concept even within the church today because we put up walls when people hurt us. Now, wisdom says if you continue to hurt me, Darius, I love you and I'm being gracious to you because I'm not going to smack you upside of the head for treating me the way you've been treating me, but I have to separate myself, love you from over here because you're toxic to me. I'm not going to make you jump through any hoops, do any somersaults or cartwheels. I'm going to love you, I'm going to be gracious to you, kind to you, but I can't have an intimate relationship with you because you're toxic. That doesn't take away number three, service. We aren't servants, we are sons who serve. If you have a servant mentality, you will get stuck in the rut of performance again. And your service will become, how much can I do to get people to like me and to receive more of God's love? But we need to be, have a heart for people. See, Jesus cared for and he served many. 
and he didn't ask them to come to where he was. He went to where they were. Even the woman caught in the act of adultery, he stooped to her level. He met her in her problem, and he ministered and served her. We serve bread and wine, not just communion, but we serve Jesus, the living bread, and the wine that flows from the Spirit. And as we serve people, we practice fellowship when we serve the body of Christ with our spiritual and natural gifts. And so as you serve Jesus to others, grace comes out, love flows through that grace, it's unconditional, um, and then service. Now, I grew up in the mentality that we're all saved to serve. Uh, I believe that we uh, serve because we love the one who loved us first. And it's not a duty that I'm performing, it's a devotion of responding to what he has done for me. And servanthood takes this fourth characteristic, and that is humility. Having a modest opinion of my importance. Can't wait to share some things that we learned at the conference in the next couple of weeks when you jump into a new series on encounters. But religious pride rejects humility. It's the pride of performance. Man, I worked really hard for 20 plus years. Um, serving God as a Christian, as a servant and not as a son. Trying to earn sonship. And what that really got me more than anything was not, not uh, understanding his love more, but wanting the accolades and the applause and the crowns that I was receiving and the applause of men because I was working really hard. And I didn't understand his love, but I knew how to work hard. And I really became a workaholic for the kingdom of God because I thought that work was earning me something. And then when people didn't give me the praise that I wanted or thought I deserved, then I became bitter and harsh towards others and I was rejecting humility because of the religious pride. I mean, I would even say things when I went through battles. Lord, you know, if, if this is all I'm getting after I've worked so hard for you, then I want to quit. That's prideful. He doesn't care how much I do for him. He wants me to see how much he's done for me, how much he cares for me. And out of that humility as sons, we begin to serve and then grace becomes the pipeline through which we serve others and there's unconditional love. In it, and we don't serve this group of people better than we serve that group of people. You know, if we have a mentality that the guy on the side of the street with the sign holding it up uh, will work for food or need help or whatever um, is scamming us, then we'll probably not serve them in any way. Ask the Holy Spirit for creative ways for you to serve. And then the last characteristic of the new ecclesia, the, the church that he is building, is joy. There is a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness depends upon happenings. Whatever happens may make me happy or sad, but joy is consistent. And it's the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah says, that is my strength. 
Joy, I like this so much, Don Keithley said this, joy is the evidence of spirit development in us. And so as the church is being built, the church ought to be full of joy. Not just because there's a happy song being sung, but the joy of the Lord on Mondays and Fridays and Thursday evenings and when there's money in the bank and when there's not money in the bank and when we're sick or when we're healthy, there ought to be joy of Jesus inside of us. My mom, I, I thought of this yesterday, I remember her writing it down uh, in Sunday school class. Joy. Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. If I will put Jesus first and esteem my brother over myself, then joy will continue to be evident uh, in our life. I know this was simple. I know this was quick. But you know five is the number of grace. And there are five characteristics of the ecclesi new ecclesia that he's building his church. That I and there's probably more, but we can see. I, I don't see that only one place that Jesus wept. And he wept over his um, Jerusalem before he went in to uh, raise Lazarus from the dead. And he said, you'd missed your time of visitation. And he wept. Jesus wept one time. I believe he was full of joy. I believe he laughed. I believe that he uh, encountered others and brought joy to them. And so as the kingdom of God is being built and he uses us as the body of Christ, uh, we should leave a residue of joy everywhere we go. Amen. So uh, I had a whole lot more, but I wasn't going to sit here. And Lisa shared such wonderful information, and we've been talking about the church. I just wanted to share those characteristics uh, with you. And she said, well, well, you didn't use a scripture today. Well, John 13, 34. Lisa used Matthew 16. But as you stand, listen to Psalm 133. Jennifer, if you'll play for just a second. Psalm 133, verse 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in harmony. That's the NIV. We live in harmony because we're in harmony with Him. Our spirit bears witness with His spirit. Then we have Holy Ghost fellowship. And then we build each other up and the kingdom of God is advanced in the earth. Lord led and I prayed for different people this morning and then he I believe as the Jennifer was playing that healing was taking place in people's bodies this morning if you received a touch as you were watching online let us know just make a comment there if you still need prayer you can make a comment Pastor Jen will reach out to you and pray with you and pray for you uh, this morning Every heart clear this morning. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm believing that he's going. You're going to start having dreams this week, and uh, you may not understand all of them, but ask God to show you and reveal to you what those dreams are, who they are for, what they're about. Don't know why he was stirring that in me uh, this morning, uh, but I believe it's important. Some people hear God's voice and can share prophetically what God speaks to them, but there are seers. God allows them to see things that they can speak 
to the body. And as you see those things, be sure to release them so that the body of Christ is encouraged and lifted. Well, the Lord has blessed us.